with me, if you will. I want you to turn to Numbers chapter number 20 in your Bibles, Numbers chapter number 20. And then when you find your place in Numbers chapter 20, I want you to turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter number 10. And we won't be there initially, but we will go there in just a few moments. And so Numbers chapter 20, first of all, and then 1 Corinthians chapter number 10 in your Bibles. And just hold your place at 1 Corinthians. Is everybody fairly comfortable this morning? How many of you are still too cool? Raise your hand if you're still too cool this morning. All right, we have a few. So Brother Rick, just keep a very close eye on it, all right? And you know, we kid about that some, but I'm gonna be honest with you. The reason I say something about that is because I don't want you to be distracted in any way from the truth. Because I think God's got something for us this morning. I really do. I really do. This is not a, this is not a beautiful outline, you know. If you're expecting a beautiful sermon, boy, you're going you're gonna to be sorely disappointed today. Um, I'm really not even going to, I'm, I'm going to put a few things up on the screen, but really as far as points, really not really preaching points today. We're just going to sort of hammer one nail. And I want to talk to you about this subject. Am I a reflection of God? Am I a reflection of God? You say, well, am I supposed to be? Oh, yes. In fact, we're going to show you numerous places today. We're going to use our Bibles quite a bit, maybe a little bit more than we typically would on a Sunday morning. And so Numbers chapter 20 in your Bibles, when you find your place, let's all stand this morning out of respect for the reading of God's. We're going to read the first 12 verses, and I'll read through them quickly and you follow along with me if, uh, if you would. Numbers chapter 20, verse 1. Then came the children of Israel, even the whole congregation, into the desert of Zin in the first month. And the people abode in Kadesh, and Miriam died there and was buried there. And there was no water for the congregation. And they gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron. And the people chode. It's a King James word that means debate or to quarrel. They quarreled. With Moses and Aaron, they uh, and, and it and it goes a little bit further than that. It's idea, actually the idea of being physical, um, and so they're they're at the point of almost getting physical physical with Moses. And the people chode with Moses and spake, saying, "Would God that we had died when our brethren died before the Lord? And why have you brought up the congregation of the Lord into this wilderness that we and our cattle should die there?" And wherefore have you made us to come up out of Egypt to bring us into this evil place? It is no place of seed or of figs or of vines or of pomegranates. Neither is there any water to drink. And Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly under the door of the tabernacle of the congregation and they fell upon their faces and the glory of the Lord appeared unto them. And the Lord spake unto Moses saying, take the rod and gather thou the assembly together, thou and Aaron thy brother, and speak ye unto the rock before their eyes. And it, shall, and it shall give forth his water, and thou shalt bring forth to them water out of the rock. So thou shalt give the congregation and their beasts drink. Hey, if it's all right, church, let's read that verse again, verse eight. So this is the instruction that God gives to Moses. Take the rod and gather thou the assembly together, thou and Aaron thy brother, and speak ye Unto the rock, and speak ye unto the rock before their eyes, and it shall, the rock, and it shall give forth his water, and thou shalt bring forth to them water out of the rock. 
So thou shalt give the congregation and their beasts drink. And Moses took the rod. We're in good shape so far. Uh, and Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded him. And Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock. And he said unto them, Hear now, ye rebels. Ask a question. Did God command Moses to speak to the people or to speak to the rock? Was he ever commanded to speak to the people? And Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock, and he said unto them, verse 10, Hear now, you rebels, must we fetch you water out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hand, and with his rod he smote the rock. Wait a minute. Was he supposed to smite the rock? And Moses lifted up his hand, and with his rod he smote the rock twice. And the water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank, and their beast also. We'll look at verse 12. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, Because ye believed me not, to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore ye shall not bring this congregation into the land which I have given them. Wow. You may be seated this morning. Let me talk to you about this subject. Am I a reflection of God? Let's go to the Lord in prayer at this time. Father, we thank you for your blessings and for the privilege to be in the Lord's house today. Lord, I pray you'd help everything to be right now. The temperature, the spirit. Lord, <clears throat> I pray you'd guard us from distraction. Father, I pray that you'd, you'd uh, give our minds attention to the word of God today. I, I know, Lord, it's so much easier for me. I'm up here moving around. These folks, some of these folks are very tired. They worked a long, hard week. Some worked yesterday. Uh, many decorated here at the church. But Lord, I pray that supernaturally right now that you would give them energy and stamina, Lord, to not only stay awake, but I pray you give them the wherewithal to listen intently. And Lord, I pray that you would use this time that we have together to, number one, glorify the Lord, but also, Lord, I pray that you'd use this time to help us, as Brother Horn taught about this morning in our class, to help us to grow, to grow more and more in our Christian walk. So, Lord, bless our discussion today. We pray for the power of the Holy Spirit. Save the lost, please. Encourage the saved. Challenge us as the saints and Father, I pray that Christ would receive glory and praise from all that's done. We ask these things in Jesus' precious name, and for his sake we pray, and all God's people said, amen. Well, look at verse 12 again. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, because ye believed me not to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore ye, Moses, therefore ye, you and Aaron, ye shall not bring this congregation into the land which I have given them. I wonder if I'm, I'm like anybody else in this church this morning. Have you ever wondered why the Lord was so rough on Moses for striking the rock? Oh, don't get me wrong. I, I, I understand that Moses was disobedient, but how often are we disobedient? I, I, I get it. I, I, I see Moses did not follow what God told him to do. He did not follow that to the letter. I understand and I'm with you that Moses should not have hit the rock. He should have spoken to the rock. But, I, but, I, but honestly, 
when you read not just Numbers chapter 20, but when you read through Exodus and, and Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy, the punishment that the Lord handed down seems to be somewhat extreme. Especially after all that Moses has endured for 40 years. Now you say, preacher, what are you talking about? I'm talking about the most rebellious crowd you have ever, you've ever been with in your life. I'm talking about people that have rebelled for 40 years, people that have wandered in the wilderness, people that have done nothing but complain and murmur. I'm talking about people that have risen up against Moses time and time again. Have you ever, have you ever had one of these people that, and you made this statement, man, he gets under my last nerve. Well, that's where Moses was. These people have just got under his last nerve. I mean, they have fought him. They have abused him. They have not been thankful for him. They've complained at, at every turn. Uh, you know, God gives them manna from heaven. They complain about, you know, uh, the Bible tells us that they ate of that spiritual corn of heaven. God sends them quail. They don't want the manna. They want meat. And so God sends them quail and they don't, uh, you know, they complain about the quail and and God helps their clothes to grow as they grow, and he helps their clothes not to wear out. And I mean, uh, God covers them with a cloud, you know, to, to shelter them from the desert sun. And then he gives them a pillar of fire by night to keep them warm and to guide them. And I mean, he just protects them, and he provides for them, and he blesses them. And yet they complain, and they bellyache, and they murmur, and they debate, and they quarrel with Moses. And then all of a sudden, in Numbers chapter 20, Moses just... Moses just finally gets enough. And he just, you know, I mean, in, in one way, in, in one way, I can almost relate to Moses. I find a part of me wanting to sympathize with him. No, he shouldn't have done it. Don't take me wrong. He should not have done it. We ought never disobey the Lord. But he, but he takes the rod and he comes out in front of this rebellious crowd and he says, you bunch of rebels. And, the, and here's the thing. He was telling the truth. They were a bunch of rebels. And he strikes the rock. God sends water and he waters the Israelites. And then God comes to Moses and says, you just lost your, you just lost your ticket into the, into the promised land. For 40 years, he's been leading this rebellious group. For 40 years, he's been putting up with their heartache. For 40 years, he's been putting up with their murmuring. For 40 years, he's been putting up with their complaining. For 40 years, he's been putting up with their stiff neck. For 40 years, he's been putting up with, their, with all of their rebellion. And then one time, he disobeys God, and God says, you're not going into the promised land. In fact, in fact how about this? He tells Moses, I'm gonna let you see it. I'm not gonna let you go in. And I, I'm going to be honest, you, you, you sort of read that and you think, man, Lord, why are you being so hard on Moses? Now, listen to what I'm about to tell you. It's important for us to understand that this rock in Numbers chapter 20 was none other than a picture of Jesus Christ. And this water that's coming from the rock was a very important picture of salvation. Now, Somebody says, preacher, how do you know that? Because the Bible tells us that. Now, I hate to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 
And so find your place there quickly today, if you will, will with me. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and look at verse number one. And the Bible tells us that, about the statement that I just made, that all of this was a picture. The rock, the water was all a picture. Uh, and you've heard me say before that the Old Testament is a picture of New Testament truth. And 1 Corinthians 10 verse one, moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant of how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea, the Red Sea, and, uh, and were baptized, were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and did all eat the same spiritual meat. Look at verse four. And did all drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. And so what's going on in, in Numbers chapter 20 is a picture. It's a future picture. This rock is a picture of the rock, the rock of ages, and this water is a picture of salvation. And so there's a beautiful, beautiful picture here. But what we notice is this, because of Moses' actions, Moses totally distorted the picture. He messed it up. He, here's a beautiful picture of Jesus and a beautiful picture of salvation that God is painting. And yet Moses, because of his actions, Moses messed it up. You say, Pastor, what do you mean? Well, back in Numbers chapter 20, we noticed this. We noticed that Moses was simply to speak to the rock. Don't turn to all these places. Romans 10, 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Moses had only to speak to the rock and the rock was gonna give forth water. Did you know that you don't have to jump through 10 different hoops to get saved? It's simply by calling upon him, by repenting of your sin, by believing that he's the savior, by inviting him into your heart and life. And so Moses was simply to speak to the rock. How about this? The water wasn't something that, that Moses was forcibly to take. 1 John 3, 16, hereby perceive we the love of God because he, Jesus, because he laid down his life for us. The Lord Jesus Christ laid down his life. Salvation is not something that we take, it's something we receive. He wasn't supposed to receive water because of some physical work he had done. Moses, speak to the rock, don't smite it. I don't want you to do something to get water from the rock, just speak to the rock. Titus 3, 5, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. This water was supposed to come as a supernatural work of God. I like what Dr. Tony Evans said. He said that Moses publicly attributed to his own efforts the authority that should have belonged only to God. You see, Everything that Moses did messed up the picture. This was the second time Moses had now stricken the rock and yet the future rock of ages would only have to be stricken one time. He doesn't have, Jesus doesn't have to continually die and continually die for you to be saved. One time is all that it took. But now the picture's all messed up. The reflection that this world is supposed, to, is supposed to see in Numbers chapter 20 is now all confused. And so because the reflection of God's plan and God's goodness and God's grace is all distorted, God becomes very displeased. That's why somebody says, man, pastor, why was God so harsh 
on Moses because Moses completely messed up the reflection. Important, man. Did you know that everything that we do in our Christian life is to be a reflection of our great God? Everything. Now, let me just give you a few for instances this morning, if I could. How about this? First of all, our Christian walk is supposed to reflect the goodness of God. Take your Bibles this morning, if you will, and turn over to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter number five. Ephesians chapter number five. And look, if you will, at verse number one. And originally, I did not have this verse in my outline, and the Holy Spirit showed this to me. Ephesians chapter five, and look, if you will, at verse number one. Very, very important here. Our Christian walk is supposed to reflect the goodness of our God. Ephesians five, verse one, the Bible says this, be ye therefore followers, notice the word, be ye therefore followers of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling savor. Notice that first verse, be ye therefore followers of me. It's the Greek word mimetes and it means this, it means imitators, imitators. In other words, as, as Christians, you and I are to imitate God. We're to be a reflection of God. What's that mean, preacher? That's simple. It means that our walk or our talk or our actions ought to reflect God. I'm gonna ask you a question this morning. Hey, Calvary, does your talk reflect the goodness of God? Oh, you say, yep, yeah, it does, preacher. On Sunday, how about Monday? How about Tuesday? We all know people who, we all know people who talk a certain way on Sunday and then their language changes on Monday. You know what's going on? When they say praise the Lord on, on uh, Sunday and oh my God on, on Monday, you know what's going on? They're distorting the picture. They're messing up the reflection. Everything about our personal walk is to reflect the goodness of our God. Our manners ought to reflect him. Our habits, your habits, my habits, are they reflecting the goodness of God? Your work, your kindness, your witness, your finances, everything that we do is to be a reflection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And here's what the Bible's telling us. When we mess up that picture, it displeases the Lord. So, uh, there was an old song years ago that said this, when the world looks at me, do they see Jesus? When the world looks at me, what do they see? Do they see hope? Do they see love? Do they see Christ in me? When the world looks at me, what do they see? Now, church, listen to me now. You say, I'm not a pastor. You're, you don't have to be a pastor, but you're to be a reflection. You may, you may not be a Sunday school teacher. You may not be a ministry leader. Uh, you might be a mom, you might be a dad, you might be a teenager. You know, maybe there's a teenager here this morning who says, well, preacher, you know, one of these days when I, you know, I get older like my mom and dad, hey, listen, teenager, did you know that you're supposed to be a reflection of God right now where you are in your life? Everything about you, your walk, your talk, your actions, your kindness, the way you interact with others, the way you date, your dating life. You said, preacher, Adam, my dating life, your dating life, your morality, your purity, what you watch on television, the kind of music you listen to. Ask you a question. Would Jesus listen to the same kind of music you're listening to? 
Would you listen to that music if Jesus Christ were in the car sitting beside you? Well, you say, not even a chance. There's your answer. You know why? Because everything we do is to reflect the goodness of God. Tell you something else. Simple message. Our Christian marriages are to reflect the relationship that Christ has with his church. Turn over to Ephesians chapter 5 in your Bibles this morning. Ephesians 5, you're, you're already in Ephesians 5, aren't you? Look at verse 25. Ephesians 5 verse 25. Interesting here. The Bible says, husbands, love your wives. Look at the next line. Even as, who? Even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it. Look at the next line. Even as the Lord, the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. Verse 32, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. What's that saying? Our marriages, you married couples, our marriages are to be a reflection of God. Our marriages are to be a reflection of the relationship that Jesus Christ has with his church. Now, is that a big deal? Yes, it's a big deal. When married couples fail to love one another and show affection and all you do is fight and fume and fuss all the time, let me tell you what's going on. You are smiting the rock. You are messing up the picture. You're distorting the picture. This is what the word of God is telling us, that I want your walk to reflect me. I want your marriages to reflect me. The way you love your wife, the way you love your husband, the way you nourish her, the way you cherish him, the way you show affection, the way you hold hands, the way you walk, the way you date, the way you live, all that you do in your marriage ought to reflect, be a reflection of the goodness of God and the grace of God. And yet when we have husbands and wives that are failing to meet one another's needs, They're not getting along, being unkind to one another, refusing to forgive. You know what happens, church? It distorts the the picture. Messes up the reflection. Now, how about this? Our Christian parenting is to be a reflection of our personal relationship with God. Turn over, if you will, to Matthew 7 in your Bibles. Matthew chapter 7 And verse number nine, I'm just trying to just make a point in your mind and we're gonna bring this thing to a close in just a few moments. Matthew seven, verse nine, our walk ought to be a reflection. Our marriages ought to be a reflection. Our parenting ought to be a reflection. Matthew seven, verse nine, or what man is there of you whom if his son, so here's a parent, whom if his son asks bread, Will he give him a stone? Or if he asks a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him? 
Ephesians 6 verse 4 says it like this, and you fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So our parenting, even our parenting, ought to be a reflection of God. It ought to be a, a reflection of the goodness of God. Now here's the thing, when we mess that up, God's displeased. When we muddle the water, when we distort the picture, well, I hope you're following me this morning. God, so let me tell you, let me tell you, when you got saved, let me tell you why I left here and didn't take you to heaven. Because from the time you got saved until the time I take you to glory, you're to be a mirror. You're to be a reflection. When the world looks at you, they ought to see Jesus. When the world hears you speak, they ought to hear Jesus. When the world watches you act and the way you treat others and the way you interact with your, your loved ones and your spouses and your children, every single thing we do ought to be a reflection of Christ. Did you know, church, did you know there is no, uh, listen, there's no wonder that this new generation wants nothing to do with their heavenly father. You know why? Because they are so messed up in the head concerning their earthly father, they don't know what to do. It's preaching time this morning. Hey, hey dad, did you know did you know that you are to be a picture of God in the life of your child? You, some, of, some of you have little ones. Well, I think about uh, Ethan back here and Brother Brandon and some of you uh, others, Taylor, and, and, uh, and some of you that have little, little ones, and you say to them, God loves you. I'm gonna be honest with you. They, they, they can't comprehend that. They cannot comprehend God. They what they can comprehend, they can comprehend daddy. And when they look at dad, they think about God. And fathers, did you know that you and I, and mothers for that matter, did you know that we're to be a reflection of God? That when our kids look at us, they're supposed to see the Lord? And yet when we mess that up, man, it's just, it's a crazy. You say, what are you talking about, preacher? Did you know that God said in the book of Hebrews that I will never leave thee and never forsake thee? I will never leave thee and never forsake thee. And yet we have earthly dads that are walking out. Leaving everybody behind, not caring for their kids, not, not to taking care of their, of their needs and just walking out. And by the way, don't give me uh, 10 million excuses while you're doing it. You'll walk out. And when they walk out, you know what happens? The picture gets all messed up. You know what God said? God said, I, the Bible says, I have never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. God said, I'm gonna meet your needs. If you'll be faithful, I'll open the windows of heaven, pour you out a blessing. I'm gonna meet your needs. And yet we have daddies that are walking off the scene and not providing for their families or won't get up and go to work every day. I'm just telling you this, that kids have such a muddled, a muddled idea of what a daddy is. No wonder they don't want God today. Man, I want to be the epitome of Jesus. I want to live like him and talk like him and sleep like him and breathe like him and eat like him and be thankful like him. Why? Because when my kids look at me, I want them to want the Lord. How are they going to want God if you're acting like the devil? Now that's tough preaching for a Sunday morning. But I'm gonna be honest with you, the church, we are going to hell in a handbasket in America and you know I'm telling you the truth this morning. Yes, sir. 
We're in a mess. I'm telling you what, we're in a mess. And for too long, preachers have got up in the pulpit and they preach some kind of little sermonette to a bunch of Christianettes. And I'm telling you, it's time that some of God's men mount the pulpit and start telling it like it is. We're to be a reflection. Our walk is to be a reflection. Our marriages are to be a reflection. Our parenting is to be a reflection. I'm gonna tell you something else. Calvary, everybody listen to me. Our Christian local church is to be a reflection. Now take your Bibles this morning and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter number three and look at verse number 18. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18. Look what our Bible tells us here. We're to be a reflection. Am I a reflection of God? Our walk, our marriages, our parenting, our Christian local church. 2 Corinthians 3, 18. But we all with open face beholding as in a glass, the glory of the Lord. That word glass is the idea of a mirror with open face beholding as in a glass, the glory of the Lord are changed, are changed. How many have been changed? I hope you've been changed. Are changed, look at this, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Did you know that, that the unity of this church, oh, church, are y'all listening to me today? The unity of this church is to be a witness to a lost and divided world of the peace and the harmony that can be found in Christ. How many know this? The world is not in harmony. We're seeing it every, every week. Shooting here, shooting there. Fighting here, fighting there. Democrats hate the Republicans. Republicans hate the Democrats. Independent, hate all of them. They're fussing back and forth. Everybody hates Joe Biden. Everybody hates Kamala Harris. Everybody hates, you know, all the, the, the I mean, there's just nothing but constant fighting and fussing and, and we're seeing it happen all over the television and all over the news and all in our politics. And here's what's really sad. We're even seeing it happen in our churches. And so our church, Calvary Baptist Church, is to be a reflection of God's amazing love. And yet when the church is caught up in disharmony and unforgiveness and hard feelings and gossip and selfishness, you know what happens? It messes up the picture. Well, I'll come. But I won't forgive him. You just distorted the reflection. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying everything we do is to be a mirror image of God. Y'all follow me this morning? Now, I don't know how other churches do it, and I'm gonna be quite honest. I don't really care how other churches do it. There needs to be a church somewhere in North Carolina and a church somewhere in America who when you walk in, you feel the presence of God and the spirit of God 
and you sense that there is a congregation that loves Jesus and loves each other. Are we perfect? No, we're not perfect. Do we have problems? Yes, we've got problems. Do we have imperfections? Yes, you've got an imperfect pastor. You've got imperfect deacons. You've got imperfect Sunday school teachers. You've got imperfect people. Yes, we've got problems, but may they walk in and sense a church that's unified and, and has harmony. Why? Because we are a picture of God. That's why. And so, church, listen to me. We cannot afford to be like all the other churches who are fussing over silly, silly, little petty, carnal things. Well, who orders the toilet paper? Who cares? What's that got to do with anything? Well, I don't like the color on the, on the fabric of the, of the chairs. What's that got to do with eternity? I'm just saying, church, you know what? You, you know what we need to do? We need to get over ourselves. And we need to say, we're a mirror of the Lord. We're a reflection of God. And when the lost walk into this church, oh, listen, they ought not see Satan. They ought not see the devil. They ought not see disunion and disharmony and fighting and fussing and all these things. Man, when they walk into this place, they ought to sense the spirit of God is here and that God is doing a great work at the Calvary Baptist Church of Union Grove, North Carolina. And by the way, my dear friend, anything, anything that stand, anything that stands in the way of that, you know what? It displeases the Lord. Everything we do ought to reflect our God. I don't know much about this, but I understand that there's an app that you can put on your cell phone and you can take a picture or something like that and and it will switch your face with somebody else's body. It's their body, but it's your face. I don't, I don't, I don't know much about that. Now, I said that to say, say, say this, that when this world looks at us, you know what they ought to see? They ought to see the face of Jesus. I love, I love the verse, Acts 16, 15. The Bible says about Stephen, Stephen, the deacon, and all that sat in the council looking steadfastly on him saw his face as it had been the face of an angel. How about Exodus 34, verse 30 about Moses? The Bible says, and when, and when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone. And they were afraid to come nigh him. You know why his face was shining? <laughs> because he had been in the presence of God. Wow. Well, I came here to get some kind of a deep theological message. Sorry about that. But I'll tell you what would be really life-changing is not a deep theological message. But as if every Christian in this room decided when I walk in those doors on Sunday morning, I want people to see the shining of God on my face. Because I've been walking with the Lord. We're a reflection of him Someone said sometimes the moon is so bright and so beautiful, but the moon actually gives off no light of its own. The light you see on the moon is actually a reflection of the light of the sun. And that's you and me. When people look at me, they ought to say, I see God. 
I see God in him. Hey, Dad, do your kids see God in you? Hey, Mom, do your kids, when they look at you, do they see Jesus? Hey, church member, when you're out and about, when you're at Walmart, you're at Lowe's, you're at Home Depot, and people look at you, the people you work with, the people you work beside, the neighbors you live beside, when they look at you, do they see a reflection of God? This last Friday, we had a big movie night here at the church. Went really, really well. And uh, Brother Evan, I appreciate Brother Evan, Brother Lee. They wanted us to get the full effect of the colors and on the screen. And so we, we normally out here in the fellowship hall, we normally beam our projection on the wall. That's how we do it out there. And sometimes because it's on the wall and it's not absolutely white, sometimes because you do that, sometimes the picture's not, you don't get the full effect. I think that's what I'm trying to say. And so this week, Brother Lee, Brother Evan came, and man, they installed, they installed a full-blown screen on the wall out there so we could get the full color and the full effect of that program. Now, you say, preacher, why are you telling us that? Did you know that you and I are not the projector, but rather the screen? Our screen is to be a reflection of Jesus. When those guys installed that screen and then they fired up the projector, the projector threw a, threw a, it threw a uh, and um, what's the word I'm looking for? It threw that projection onto the screen. And this is what I'm preaching and this is what the word of God is telling us, that every day we go to school, kids, you're to be the screen. Every day we walk into the plant or the office, we're to be the screen. Every time we walk in our, okay, when you come home at the end of the day after a long, hard day at work, are you the screen that your kids see God on? Or do you walk through the door and put your hand through the drywall and kick the cat and cuss the dog and all the kids scurry to the room because they're scared to death, you know? You know what we did? We just messed up the picture. We're not the projector, we're the screen. And God is supposed to be reflecting himself on our screen. Now we're done. You can close your Bibles. We're done. A few weeks ago, well, how many know that this is, there's very little to watch on television anymore? My wife and I, we watch Andy Griffith quite a bit. And, and, but the other day, I went to turn on our television, and the TV set came on. And it had a signal, but it didn't look right. The picture was distorted. It was dark. I could sort of see the, the projection behind the darkness. You could see the people, you know, but it was very dark. It was very distorted. And so, man, I tried this and didn't work. And I tried something else and didn't work. And tried something else and didn't work. And Miss Tammy came in. I said, I don't know what's wrong with the television. Something's wrong. And it's on and I can see it, but it's not coming in clearly. You know what I finally, you know what I finally had to do, church? I finally had to do a hard reset. And when I did that hard reset, plugged it back up, cut it back on, picture came back. Now I don't know who I'm talking to this morning. 
But I'm just wondering if there's a few in here today that need to do a hard reset. The picture's distorted. You say, Pastor, there used to be a time when I was a witness. There used to be a time when I went to school, when I went to work, and people said, you don't act like everybody else. You don't talk like everybody else. But you say, Pastor, something happened. The picture got distorted. I've not been walking like I should. I've not been talking like I should. I've not been acting like I should. And the pictures got all muddled. Hey, Christian, maybe today it's time to do a hard reset. What's that mean, preacher? That means get on this old-fashioned altar this morning and repent of it and say, Lord, would you start projecting yourself onto my screen again? Lord, did you help me to be a reflection of Jesus Christ? When people see me, hear me, or around me, would you help them to see Christ in me? Let's bow our heads this morning. Father, thank you. Thank you for showing us, Lord, why you were so hard on Moses. Moses distorted the grand picture that you were painting of salvation in Jesus Christ. Oh, Father, today, I know this is different preaching. I know this is hard preaching for a Sunday morning. God, there's a world that's lost and going to hell. And Father, if there's not a church somewhere that decides to be different, and Lord, a church that says, we're gonna put all of our differences to the side and we wanna be a reflection of Christ. Father, help Union Grove when they look at the Calvary Baptist Church. May Union Grove, the Union Grove community, may they see God. Father, when my kids, when they look at me, may they see God. Well, my little redhead, Lord, when she sees me and the way I interact with her, may she see God. Father, I pray now that you'd have your way in this invitation. Lord, challenge us really good this morning. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Let me ask you a question. How many are here this morning? And you'd say, Pastor, if I died today, I know for sure that I would go to heaven when I die. I know that I have been born again. I'm not talking about just signing my name on a card or something like that, but I know that I have been legitimately born again. And without anybody looking, if that's you, would you just slip your hand up and give the Lord just a wave of praise there. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. You can lower your hands. Can I ask a second question though? How many are here today? And you'd say, Pastor, in all honesty, I'm not sure I could raise my hand. I'm not really sure of heaven. Preacher, I wanna go there, don't get me wrong. I wanna go to heaven. I'm just not sure that I would go. And I want you to pray for me. How many are here this morning? You'd let me pray for you right now. You'd slip your hand up. You'd say, Pastor, if I died, I'm not sure of heaven. Would you pray with me? You'd slip your hand up right now. Just raise it up. Preacher, pray with me. Pray with me. I see that little hand. Who else? Preacher, if I died today, I'm not sure I'd go to heaven. Would you pray for me right now? Pray for me. Is there another anywhere? Can I pray for you right now? 
Anybody else like that? All right, our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Hey, church family, ask us a question. Are you a reflection of God? When the world looks at you, what do they see? When your kids look at you, what do they see? When your spouse looks at you, what do they see? If you're here this morning and there's any, there's any discrepancy in that at all, and you'd say, Pastor, I've sort of lost that projection. Here's what I want you to do. In just a moment, we're gonna stand. And I want you to hasten down to this altar. Just find a place. And today I want you to rededicate your life to Christ. And you pray something like this, Lord, when the world looks at me, help them to see you. Help them to see the Lord. And so let's all stand all over the house this morning. Father, thank you for your blessings. Thank you, God, for the word of God. Lord, I pray now that you would save the lost. Lord, not every hand was raised. I pray that you'd save the lost right now. Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd send, Lord, conviction and draw folks to yourself. Then, Lord, I pray that you'd help Christians to gather around this old-fashioned altar, rededicating their lives to Christ. Lord, maybe some need to come and just repent, or maybe some need to confess, or Lord, maybe some need to get right about something, or maybe somebody needs to go to somebody else and just get things settled, or Lord, whatever the case may be. But God, I pray that when this world looks at Calvary, I pray they'll see Christ. Have your way in this invitation. Lord, please work. We thank you and we love you in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Would you come right now? Would you come? While folks are making their way to the front, now's a, now's a good time. Would you come? Would you come? How's your projection? How's the picture on your screen? Hey, good time to come. While folks are moving, good time to come. Preacher, if I died today, I'm not sure I'd go to heaven. Hey, listen, I want you to come right now. We've got some folks down here in the altar. We call them personal workers, and all that means is they've got a Bible in their hand. And if you'd like to know how you're going to heaven when you die, here's what I want you to do. Just come right now. And we've got some folks in here in the Bible that have a Bible, and they'd love to show you how you can know Christ as Savior. Would you come right now? You, maybe you raised your hand. Maybe you didn't even raise your hand. But right now you'd say, Preacher, I'm not sure I'm saved. Oh, okay. Come on. Well, I remember that time in my life. I remember when I was lost, God was convicting me. Well, I'm so glad I let go and let God have his way. Man. Well, I still, there's a lot I've forgotten in the last 40 years, but there's one thing I remember. That's the day I got born again. If you're here this morning and you're not sure of heaven right now, right now would you slip out and come would you come would you come there's a number on your screen right now if you're watching by way of the internet 704-327-5662 and if you're watching right now and you need Christ or you need us to pray with you, please call that number on your screen. 
And we have some folks that are waiting right beside the phone right now. Are folks calling? Is that what you guys are telling me? Folks are calling. Praise the Lord. Wonderful. Pray for these that are calling right now. Amen.